for so very long, it's been... Go on, George. Tell how it's gonna be. But in the end, the commission only said... We figured it 17 different ways. And every time we figured it, it was no good. Because no matter how we figured it... But no matter how you figure it out, I still don't get as much as anybody else. Somebody don't like the way we figured it. So now, there's only one way to figure it. And that is every man for himself. When this is the end. It's the end of the world. It's the end of the world as we know it. Or is it now? As a new year hits, through it all, Beaver Nation moves ahead with resiliency and hope. Sun's up. Mm -hmm. Looks okay. The world survives into another day. And the way forward goes through, as it must, The Joe Beaver Show with John Warren and Mike Parker. The number of times I heard these guys' voices over and over and over. Still can't find it. Ah, can't find it? We can help. This here is 1240. 1240. It's always been 1240. My client says it's 1240. Yeah, plus 93.7 FM and streaming live at KEJOAM.com and on the KEJO app. It's The Joe Beaver Show. All right, all right. TJ and I were just talking here uh, off the air about trying to chase down Matt Vaskersian. How cool would that be to get Matt Vaskersian on the Joe Beaver Show? Anyway, welcome to the program. Michael is here, just uh, coming down the hallway, and Woo. we welcome you home from the mountain trip. And you had mentioned that you got sick, so you look like you're a little better. That's good news. Thank you, John, and I heard you this morning with Dougie on our sister station, News Radio, 1340 Clue AM, uh, referring to kind of getting a little something again. These are yeah. things are hard to shake. Yeah, I, I, this thing, I can't get rid of it. I feel fine, but I, I got that. Yeah. You ever have that thing where you can't take a real deep breath? Yeah. Which yeah. you kind of need in our business. Every once in a while, in fact, it, in life, I, I'm told, take a breath, take a deep breath. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good counsel. I never feel like responding to it. What are you telling me? What do you need to tell me? I need to take a breath. What do I need to take a breath for? Everything's fine. What are you talking about? <laughs> hey, John, good to see you again. Yeah. Uh, it, I'm looking for a quote because I don't, I've been thinking of this all morning while coming back late from, we Sat got back Saturday in night? Saturday night. We, you know, nice, it's nice to get a charter flight. Those don't happen very often. Oh, we got a charter flight. Very nice out of Denver and got back on Saturday night rather than needing to spend another night and then getting up early and fly, trying yeah. to fly back. And you yeah. lose you lose Sunday, essentially. Now, yeah. getting back at 1 a.m. and in bed by, you know, I hope asleep around 1.30, quarter to 2, which is what it was. But if so, it wasn't charter, you'd have, it would have been Sunday afternoon. It would have been Sunday morning sometime, getting home. Uh, so, I, but I was thinking of... Just kind of the disconcerting nature of uh, the weather that we've had, mm -hmm. the schedule, mm -hmm. the sickness, the illness, all of the things. It has felt like, and I, I can't remember the quote now, and so it's been on my mind, but something about the world is out of joint. <laughs> Yates, I believe. Anybody want want to find me the exact quote. It's available. Just, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> type it in. But you were just trying you don't to need, do, yeah. talking and typing at the same time. You don't need to know Yates. I mean, you know, but, yeah. but it's a great poem. 
Something about the, the, the gyre and all that. I mean, it, it's good stuff. <laughs> but it's been a long time since I've read it. But I felt, I've just felt lately we've been out of joint a little bit. Just the routines and the patterns that you become somewhat comfortable with have been <coughs> disrupted by what I just heard from you, <laughs> by what I've been dealing with, yeah. by one of the worst weather snaps we've ever had. And in fact, I read an article that said, you know, somebody that, I th- I don't know if he's a, uh, I can't remember exactly, but a story about somebody in Portland that had four trees fall either on or around, yeah. fo- four or five yeah. of them, right, yeah. on or around his house in one day last week. <laughs> right. That's a little out of joint. That is seriously out of joint. Did you have snow at all on your road trip? No, no, we did not. We, we arrived, you know, we finally got out on Wednesday after the four-day well, freeze mm-hmm. and snap where mm-hmm. we weren't getting out and nobody was getting out. DeAndre Ayton wasn't getting out. Nobody was getting out. <laughs> and so we finally got out to get to Gill to fly on our road trip to the mountain schools on Wednesday. But even then, we were still slipping and sliding around. It wasn't mm-hmm. cleared mm-hmm. up by Wednesday morning. But it was nice, in a sense, to get into Salt Lake City. They'd had a big, uh, they had a lot of snow the previous couple of days, but the roads were clear, yeah. and the sun was out, and both was in normal. Salt Lake City and in Boulder. In fact, sitting outside Saturday before the game in Boulder, sitting at a local uh, coffee establishment, working on my charts, in the sun, outside, now, it was only 40 degrees, but I don't know why, John, but the way the sun was bearing down, uh-huh. on, there were other people outside, too. It just was warm. And enough. I just saw Boulderians or whatever they call themselves. Oh, yeah, this is nice. I heard people, somebody on the phone, oh, yeah, it's beautiful out there. It's warm. I'm sitting outside. <laughs> I saw kids walking in and out of the parking lot in T-shirts and shorts, 40 degrees in Boulder with the sun out. Well, I guess Tolerable. that's a, a warm span for them. It was nice. Wow. Very nice to be sitting in the sun for a little that's while. That's where you're supposed to get it, and that's where you're going to miss for uh, upcoming uh, trips to uh, Tempe and, and Tucson. Yeah, that's true. Because I remember those trips. I just loved them. Yes. It was always rainy in California in the wintertime, especially the Bay Area, and it was always beautiful in Tempe and Tucson. Exactly, and those trips are going, I hate to say it, yeah. they're going to be missed. Yeah. So, speaking of things being out of joint. That's true. That's very and true. And I'm trying to think about, you know, wherever we end up, we could end up back in a league, you know, if this mm-hmm. whole super conference thing and it all plays out, we could end up thrown back in with Mountain Schools and Arizona Which schools. would be so fine because you get the yeah. Arizona trip back and, you, and the, it would be a whole West Coast thing of former Pac-12. Right. Good morning, John. Good morning. Good to see everybody. And we have a week ahead where is it possible we could get back into joint? I don't know. Well, weather-wise, we will. But being outside in our neck of the woods here in the Mid-Valley today, walking in and out of places, 50-plus degrees, this is nice. It feels good again. (laughs) We were out of joint last week, and we've been out of joint for a while for different reasons. So if we can get back into joint here we go on a Monday morning on the Joe Beaver Show. Thank you for tuning our way. We have one guest today at this point and others being considered. Jim Jarvis has just texted me back. We'll talk to him tomorrow. Good. This weekend at Gill Coliseum, and then Saturday in particular, the 60th anniversary of the Final Four team. Oregon State's had two Final Four teams, 49 and 63, and the 63 team 
Mel Counts we're going to reach out to. I believe he's coming back in. Jim Jarvis. I'm not sure about others from that team. I know Terry Baker and Frank Peters, but I'm not sure either are coming to the gathering mm-hmm. this weekend. I don't think I've ever seen Frank <coughs> Peters at Gill Coliseum. And I, I don't know the why and the wherefore of that. Uh, Frank's always been a, an, an interesting person and character and business owner in Portland, the Grand Cafe in, huh. uh, in southeast Portland. I used to frequent the establishment and knew Frank and Dwight would hang out there, other media, sports writer, sportscaster, broadcaster types, huh. and, and people who knew the Pacific Coast League territory well. Frank had a, had a fun place, and I, I would see him on occasion there, and we would talk Oregon State days back in those days. And did he wax poetic? Well, I would say maybe not necessarily that, but I'm just surprised that I don't think I've ever seen him at Gill Coliseum huh. Huh. in 25 years. So 63, that was Louisville, right? Mm-hmm. Final, uh, side of the Final Four. Yes. And then, and then was it 64 or 60? It was 65 at the Coliseum, right? The Memorial Coliseum. Because they were correct. just opened yeah, up. Yeah, Bill and, Bradley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, Dougie and I were talking about that this morning. And uh, the small lineup. And that John 49. Wooden, tell us about 49. Don't know anything about 49, really. I mean, other than they went. Yeah. That's about all I know. Yeah. 48-49, the year before Gill opened. So, anyway, a celebration of Oregon State basketball in one of its grand moments. The It's interesting, and it's a reminder, I think, there are only two teams in the history of Oregon State men's basketball that have won three games in one tournament, in an NCAA tournament. The 63 team that went to the Final Four and Wayne's team three years ago. Three wins in a tournament. Only it's happened twice in the history of the program, and they'll kind of be coming together this weekend. Thursday, the Arizona Wildcats yeah. in town. Bill Walton will be calling the game. So... The request is out. Yeah. When I say we'll have other guests, I know Jim Jarvis tomorrow. I hope Mel counts later in the week. Mm-hmm. One guest today, and we'll share her name with you in a moment. But I'm hoping we hear from the big fella. And we probably will. Yeah. yeah I think he's he's been good to us through the years. I think he'll be even more, if his time and schedule permit, even more willing in the sense of he may think this is the last time for a while yeah. in the Conference of Champions, as I think he said once or twice in his lifetime. In just a few. He's going away, and this will be his last trip, therefore, to Gill Coliseum and into the Beaver State for a long time, maybe the last. Maybe he backs out of it, isn't involved in basketball broadcasting next year, doesn't do other. I, maybe he'll do some USC and UCLA stuff. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But this could be the last of Bill for the Pac-12 Network, certainly it will be. And he'll be in town Thursday, and I'm hoping that uh, we'll be able to touch base with him. Have you seen any, I've seen some, of the 30 for 30 luckiest man in the world I've documentary? I've seen some. Some four, of four, the first part. I think four episodes. Is it? Is it? I mean, I, that's almost like a record, but they. I think the powers that be and the filmmaker who made the film and ESPN... Well, that, I don't know quite how that all works, whether it's under the auspices mm-hmm. of the ESPN creative people and they create a 30 for 30, or whether an independent filmmaker makes it and ESPN buys it. Right, These are things right. I don't know. I, it might be a combination of the you, two. But four episodes. 
I mean, I, I went through the 30 for 30 season five episode by episode, and there, n- none of the other subjects warranted four <laughs> episodes. Bill's life did. It is an interesting and fascinating life as he is as a person. I don't know why I stopped. I saw the first one, in fact, and I don't even remember a lot about it because mm-hmm. so much of it was the same of what we already know. Right, right. Um, and then him... <laughs> Just the way he he talks. <laughs> Even if you chuckle and you like it, it can get on you. Oh, sure. And so I just like, all right, I'll, I'll revisit parts two, three, and four. But no, I have not had the desire to do I understand. That. It's one of those things where, you know, I hear, I hear in certain films and movies and so on, people say, uh, Jack Lemmon says to Kevin Spacey and Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross in the the pathos of the human existence never more on display than in that film. Just every character, a degree of pathos and misery that just, it just yeah, comes, ekes out. I mean, it just comes out of the screen. You go, oh my gosh, he's, he's bad too. So is that guy, that guy. The human condition never on. That's partly why it fascinates me. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, these salespeople at the end exuding of exuding the very worst of humanity, in my estimation, in that could they not have sprinkled sequence. in a good guy in there? Well, there is no. Yeah, you're right. There's no good. Alan Arkin's the closest to a good guy in it. If you watch it carefully, the character Arkin plays the closest to a good guy. But when Lemon realizes he's on his way out, and Kevin Spacey's not going to deal with him, and giving him the good leads, the Glenn Gary leads. <laughs> Lemon looks at Spacey. See, you know, you're going to miss me when I'm gone. You're going to miss me when I'm out of here. <laughs> And I remember thinking, well, that's probably not true, <laughs> but that's how Lemon thought of himself. Sure. But I do think there's an element when you said it gets on you after a while with Bill, even even if you chuckle and like Bill's act. Yeah. There's part of, not a lot of people that I know say, quote unquote, they can't do him, or I, if he's right. on, I change a channel, right. or I mute it, or whatever else. But I do think there's an aspect, Pac-12 fans, Beaver fans, I hope you're among the category that I'm about to describe, I'm hoping that what Jack says to Spacey in Glen Gary, not that Bill's saying that to anybody, but I think there is some truth that yeah. we will miss yeah. him when he's gone. Even if you don't fully love everything he does now, we're going to miss him when he's not a presence on our air occasionally doing our games. <coughs> I would say mostly because he's a conduit between the, the present and the past. I mean, he's still here. He's, 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 he's right. talking about it. He's saying how great it is. And yet he comes from quite a long time ago when right. he was in the Pac-12 with UCLA and making his mark and can speak to several generations. Right. And, and that's what we'll miss. We'll, we'll miss, miss a that. lot of that. We'll miss the connection. You're right. And not only... You know, because of that infamous weekend for UCLA, that's resonated forever in our state. Right. UCLA's lost weekend. Which started on Friday against Again, Oregon State. That's right. Oregon gets all the love. Yeah, Oregon got a lot of love out of the cover and all that because Sports Illustrated, by the way, did I read? Uh, I, I, I'm asking Mike in Seattle. I'm asking Dave. I'm asking... Anybody, I've run it by some people and no one saw it. I suppose I could look it up right now and get my answer. Is Sports Illustrated pretty much on its way out and done as a as a printed publication? Are they going to be online only? Did I read or hear something to that effect? The the orange one, or you? Can you give me something on that? What were you going to say, John? All I can say is last Thursday or Friday, might have been Friday, 
there was a, a, a license lap, lapse that after that lapse occurred, they let off a whole bunch of people. And everybody thought that it was them going out of business, but they weren't. And I, that's all I know. Okay. I, don't, I, I just know that it was a big, they were in the news on Friday. Right. It was a big deal. Um, and it made, they made it sound like they were going out of business, but somebody had to come on and say, no, it's a, it was a license lapse. And okay. Now, I didn't read deep enough to say, see if they were going to go, we're not doing this anymore, but we're going to do this. I don't know about that. Okay. Well, part of the reason I ask that question is while in Boulder on Friday evening, watching the local news briefly, there was, I see Dion on a, the Sports Illustrated cover with Dion mm-hmm. as the sports person of the year, as so selected by Sports Illustrated. Carrie Eggers and others took exception to that. But <laughs> anyway, Sanders was the national sports person of the year after his first year at Colorado. And there's a cover. It's, it's, a, it's a nice, it's a good cover. I like the cover. Yeah. But then, and then they showed a couple of other former Colorado athletes. I'm just barely watching or listening, but I see Dion, then I see a couple of other former Colorado athletes or whatever else. Denver, some Denver players from the Super Bowl on the cover, and I'm kind of going, what? And then they come back to the anchor. I turn up the volume of the sports anchor, and it'll be really sad if that's the last that we see of a col- you know somebody with Colorado connections on a Sports Illustrated cover. Here, here's an article okay. from CBS. The publisher of Sports Illustrated plans to lay off most or all of the iconic brand staff, putting its future in doubt, according to the union that represents workers at the magazine. Earlier today, the workers of Sports Illustrated were notified that the Arena Group is planning to lay off a significant number, possibly all, of the guild-represented workers at SI, most of the publication's employees said on Friday, it called on the magazine's owner, Authentic Brands Group, to ensure the continued publication of the nearly 70-year-old, 70-year mm-hmm. media brand. Quote, we have fought together as a union to maintain the standard of this storied publication that we love and to make sure our workers are treated fairly for the value they bring to this company. It is a fight we will continue. Mitch Gottich, NFL editor and unit chair, at the News Guild of New York, said in a labor group's statement, Authentic, which owned Sports Illustrated but sold the publishing rights to the Arena Group, said Friday that Sports Illustrated would continue despite Arena's license to serve as publisher having been terminated this week after failing to pay its quarterly license fee. And it goes uh, on. Okay. Well, we have Jocelyn Tinkle at 12.03 today. She's got to be worried to find a way to make that work. She has a team meeting and so on, some things. That, uh, so we need to get to Jocelyn at 12.03. And you'll, I'm sure you'll already, oh, yeah, you, you know what? Well, I, jo- you'll understand. And you do understand already just by saying her name. Why would you have Jocelyn Tinkle? Well, think about what happened yesterday. That's yeah, why. Yeah. And we'll talk more about that as we go. But if it's true that SI is... It, in the form we've known it, uh-huh. and I know, I know, just like the newspaper industry, Sports Illustrated has reduced the number of pages, the articles are shorter, the photographs are fewer in number, staff's laid off, the great writers that have come through that magazine through the years. I mean, things have changed dramatically for the print industry across the board. Newspapers have gone out of existence. Mm-hmm. Commitment to local news and the newspaper world, we... We've seen it in our own lifetime. It was already 
you and I have been doing this for 20-plus years, we've been together for 25 years, the decline was already beginning then, Johnny. Right. But, the, you know, that's why I was glad to meet our new local beat writer the other day from right. the GT and the Democrat Herald, just to continue to try to emphasize and value that place in the world. And Sports Illustrated, when I think of Bill Walton, I think of Bill, not only does he have a connection with our conference, the Conference of Champions, the Pac-8, where he went 86-4 and four in his three years. Ferdinand Lewis Alcindor went 88-2 and two <laughs> in his three years for Coach Wooden. But when I think about Bill, inevitably, one of the first things is UCLA's lost weekend. Mm, yeah. And the fact that those of us in the Beaver State... <laughs> probably took a great deal of pride in that accomplishment. Oh, yeah. To get a, even if it's Gerald Willett for Oregon on the cover, and it was, a shot taken by Kenny Moore, <coughs> who was rushed to Matt Court for that Saturday afternoon game after mm -hmm. the Ralph and the Beavers and Doug Oxen, George Tucker and company. Tucker, not a great free throw shooter, but hitting the free throws in the clutch to hold UCLA off. Mm -hmm. And the Beavers beating the Bruins to end the 50-game Pack 8 win streak at Gill, 61 to 57, and Bill Walton sidling up to Doug and saying, "You'll remember this game for the rest of your life." <laughs> so he had that profundity going. Does Bill then. remember Doug? Yeah, yeah. They talk and Doug when Bill comes to town, and I've seen he and Doug sitting together. Yeah. You guys deserve to win. You outplayed us, and you'll remember this for the rest of your lives. Now Bill was already getting a set, but. Bill, to his credit, while he <laughs> still out of joint, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> but getting better. Cue up Jim Reeves. I'm getting better. Getting better, but not all the way back. Bill had that. <laughs> he didn't speak as much back then, but he had sort of this big, wide, <laughs> wide-ranging view of the developments and the things that were going on around him. So to have the presence of mind in the mm -hmm. moment to say to Doug, congratulations, you beat us and you deserve to, and you'll remember this for the rest of your life. Yeah, 50 years ago. Yeah, he, he's right, and he has, and we all have. And Bill, when I the, one of the first things I interviewed him about many years ago, and I had the pleasure of meeting him around 889, 90 thereabouts, mm -hmm. he... Just, well, the lost weekend, you know, and he just, <laughs> that's on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Yeah. UCLA's lost weekend. And I see people, there will be a train of people, maybe even this Thursday, and you better get it out. But I've seen people, I've seen Bill sign the cover that he's on mm -hmm. watching Willett grab a rebound for Oregon. And he signs it. And he talks about it. And he talks about it. While it's painful for him, he only lost four games yeah. in three years, 86 and four. And those were two of them. And those two of them were right here in our state. He, he embraces it from the standpoint of he understands the magnitude of the event for all of us and all of our lives, and Doug Oxen and Ralph and George and people that experienced it. And, and he's right. It was a gigantic event. And SI helped make it live with the iconic cover. UCLA's lost weekend. Yeah. And if, you, if, if, if Sports Illustrated is going away from, from a, a publication that's captured moments as well as any periodical ever has in sports, 
that's a big disappointment to me. TJ texted in uh, his the only Sports Illustrated he owns, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's uh, Russell Wilson on the cover, and yeah, it says Seattle Seahawks one super season, and one can understand why this would be the one, one he, has. he would own. Absolutely. What I don't understand is why he only owns one. Well, didn't grow up with the habit, <laughs> but I, I have SIs from every decade, you know, from their existence, and. And I've, the only I've one I have is Joe Montana on the cover. Okay. I see you've carried, helped me carry boxes that have SIs in yeah. them, John. Yeah. Thank you for I that. used to have, the, like you did, yeah. I had boxes of them. Right. And yeah. didn't know didn't know that I should save certain yeah. ones. Probably should have reached out The Joe Montana one this, was given to me this. as a birthday gift a few years right. ago. So I hadn't saved one. So as we go to break, open phones the rest of the hour, jostle and tinkle a little afternoon to talk about Tara and 1,200-2 and 1. Did you watch the game? I appreciated how well the Beavers fought and played. I, I thought they did a great job yeah. in competing in almost impossible circumstances. It was going to be almost impossible to win that game for a lot of reasons, and I'm not sure it came down to maybe some of you who care deeply about the Beavers and watched it closely, did feel as though what I'm hinting at or getting at is it didn't come down to a bang-bang call at the end or, mm-hmm. or a number of calls at the end that suspiciously went in Stanford's favor and against the Beavers. I didn't see it that way. I watched most of the game, listened to Ron for other parts of it. How did you feel the Beavers comported themselves and played? Did you feel they got a bad whistle because everybody was in on this is Tara's big day. Yeah. She's going to win this game here. And did the officials, were they complicit in that in your view? Or do you, do you stop short of that? Did they allow too much beating up of Reagan in the post? That seems to be the upshot. I hear more from about that than anything else. Right. But in the end, I didn't even feel, even though my heart and mind would lean in a direction. Oh, that's another. Oh, look at that call. Oh, yeah. look at that. Yeah. I didn't feel that, but maybe those of you who watch more closely did, and you are upset. With it. You're right. You may agree with me. The Beavers had no chance to win that game, and even if they'd shot the best they've ever shot, there would have been other powers and forces at work that would have prevented them from winning. Hmm. See, I didn't see it, but I listened to it, mm-hmm. so I'm not exactly sure, but... Um... I if, think we played well. If John. you say they had no chance to win, I'm but not. you're referring to the outside forces... Yes. I'm not saying we, as the Beavers and a staff and a team, didn't think they could win. I thought they could win. So did I. I think they're right up there with the top six teams in the league. I agree. They're ranked 25 now. Okay, that's Mm. fine. It should be higher. But they're right up there. This is a tournament team, and they're playing as as good as one can against these top 10 teams. UCLA, USC, Colorado, Stanford, four teams in the top 10. And Oregon State's right up there with them. I, I can't wait till this weekend because uh, Colorado and, and Utah come to town. It's unfortunately number three, Colorado, so they go from number eight to number three. But it's a home it's game. It's a home. It's a big event. Big weekend. I, I, yeah. I don't know. I, I just I think this team is, is, is for real, even though the last few years have been a little downswing. Now it's right back up to where they have plenty of depth. They have good outside mm-hmm. shooting and... With Reagan beers, you can do almost anything. Now, um, Alex Brink didn't play. What's her name? Cameron. Alex Cam- Cameron Brink. Cameron Brink. Yeah. Cameron Brink. She didn't play. I don't know why. 
And it might have completely changed everything, and it's a double-digit win, easy. Maybe not. Well, her backup did okay. I mean, the player that played in her stead, essentially. Yeah. 36 points, I think. Anyway, well, what, what, I'm, I'm with you. I think this is a really good Oregon State team, and I'm saying the Beavers had, quote, no chance to win that game. I'm saying, yes, they did, but yeah. what I'm saying is in the minds of many, yeah, right, they right. didn't, and forces would, if it came down to it, would make sure they didn't. But I'm not sure it, it rose to that level. Did you, if you watched the action? If any of you want to weigh in on that at 497-5356, we're going to take a break. We'll have open phones the rest of this half hour. 497-5356, if you want to reflect on that, how proud you were of the Beavers. And I thought Tara did a great job because I watched the walkthrough and the handshakes uh -huh. with Scott and with Tara and the Beavers staff and the players and Tara twice, both on TV and then speaking to the crowd, said, I want to thank Oregon State, commend them, a great class they've shown. Scott's build a culture. It reflects so well in his yeah. program, the class they showed. In congratulating me and our team, that's a great program there. And she said it twice in two different contexts. So yeah. Yeah. I was happy for that. And it was right. It was the right thing to say. Not a surprise. But She's... it wasn't just something to say. It was... Right. It was well deserved by Scott and the Beaver players. Yeah, it was interesting though because in the post game you could hear Scott talking with uh, Ron Callen, and there was a party going on. Oh yeah, there was. It was loud, mm -hmm. and there was she was speaking, and there was all yep. kinds of stuff going on. And Scott was, you know, giving her all the props in the world, yeah. and saying how honored he was to be able to, you know, coach against her. Let's take a break. If you have any thoughts about that, the game, this team for the Beavers. And Tara's accomplishment in the Beavers kind of being in the middle yesterday of that history, I thought they acquitted themselves extremely well. If you have any thoughts, 497-5356, 497-5356. And Buffalo experienced yesterday what the Beavers did in 2000 at Washington. We'll close on this note. And that is gain eight yards on first down. I'm talking about the weird fake punt play they ran. Now, they yeah. lived to tell about it in a sense. But they were on their way to score, I thought, on that drive. Eight yards, second and two, handoff on a delay in the backfield, loss of three, third and five. It reminded me of the play in 2000 that blew up on the Beavers at Husky Stadium. Third and five, incomplete pass, and the fake punt. Mm. Turn over the ball. Jordan Poyer nearly saved the Bills' season with that incredible hustle and, and alert, resourceful play. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But second and two, you don't go backwards. And they did. Yes. And that, to me, that sequence was the key to life <laughs> and the misery today that Buffalo was in. 497-5356. Any thoughts you'd like to share as we try to get back into joint today? And this week, 497-5356, and does the demise of, the potential demise and perhaps the disappearance of SI mean anything to you? Did you grow up reading it and looking forward to it and devouring articles? Did you look forward to just one issue per year? I mean, I, you know, I, I'm just asking, does it mean anything to people who are listening now? It hurts me to think that it may not be anymore. I'm hoping they find a way to keep publishing because it has been a great chronicle of over 70 years of our lives in this sporting mm -hmm. world. If you have any covers or issues you sought out, as TJ did, the Russell Wilson cover, that has meant something to you. GP on the cover. That's a great issue. Yeah. And he gets that 
I see people asking Gary to autograph that all the time. Mm -hmm. So this magazine is at a place in our collective lives, and it may be going the I way of the not. dodo. I hope not. Four nine seven five three five six. Love to hear from you on all of these matters today. Thanks for joining us on the Joe Beaver Show. No, it was a player. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I missed it. My friend Bobby Wilson. Jimmy Wilson's young, uh, older brother, yeah. my good friend Bobby, is in the magazine laying in a sleeping bag, sleeping out overnight. And, and you see, Bobby is pointing, that's my sleeping bag. Yeah, that's, I, so that's me. Yeah, you know, I, I believe him. And my pastor actually told a story about his dad, uh, you know, and this whole idea of it being uh, for Sports Illustrated just being, you know, iconic. Yeah. And get, could you ever get in it type of thing? And right. he told a story to, to the the congregation about his dad finally getting in to, to a He version. made the magazine yeah. <laughs> a photograph or something. Uh, well, no, just a kind of oh, older like a he's in the crowd. In the crowd. Yeah, no, no, he, just a picture of being in the crowd Ooh, of a game. Cool. That's cool. So, I mean, that's how big a deal it is for people to get in Sports yeah. Illustrated. I'm in there with a full picture. Yeah, I don't see you. I don't even have the I don't even have the copy. Somebody will find it for you. Somebody will find it for I, you. I think I can't remember the Stanford player that they were profiling, like Lindsay Yamasaki or oh, somebody. Okay. And it was the, the one photograph they used was a perfect, great square shot where she's going up to shoot, and it's pretty a tight type of shot so that just down to the right is press row. Yeah, and there you are. And there I am calling Good the game. Good for you. I didn't even, I forgot about it. 497-5356, Beaver Nation. And we don't have anybody responding to it unless it's on the uh, well, text line about, about, not so much SI, oh, oh. the game yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is anybody saying, ah, oh, Mike, you're wrong. You missed, if you said you watched it, you weren't watching them beat up Reagan and <laughs> uh, they got a bad whistle. I, <coughs> I watched almost the entire game, so I'm asking, did they get a bad whistle? Was everything in cahoots again? I mean, there was no shot in the sense of the powers that be in forces for the Beavers to win that game. Therefore, you're more proud of that team yesterday than ever before. Yeah. I don't know. It looked to me like Stanford just got white hot mm. down the stretch. And the Beavers, even though they were shooting, there was a brief stretch of time where the ball wasn't going in for the Beavers. And it was going in virtually every trip right. down the floor against there was, a very good Oregon State defense. And team. statistically, they had like uh, there was the Beavers had a couple of turnovers that Stanford scored off of, plus some offensive rebounds where they scored second chance points. That was the difference in the game. Yeah. Nine points. If you have any thoughts on it, four nine seven five three five six. And how do you feel about being the team that Tara got over on? Uh -huh. That she all. was respectful to the Beavers as well. She should have been. And we're yeah. going to talk to Jocelyn Tinkle, who played for her for four years, 10 through 13, and went 71 and 1 in league play. Did you, hear, did you hear what the old man said? Tinkle, Jocelyn Tinkle, in four years for Tara, went 71 and 1 <laughs> in the back 10, 12. I. I read numbers like that. I added them up. I looked at Jocelyn's you career. Jocelyn was 71-1 and one in four years with Tara at Stanford what was the one? in the conference. I don't know. This is the championship game? No. Well, <coughs> they didn't have a tournament then. I don't know who they lost to. But they only lost one conference game in four years when Jocelyn played oh, for Tara. Lord. Incredible, right? The NFL playoffs, anything else you want to jump in on, feel free Tumwater joins us. Paul on deck. Dave, good morning as we try to get back into joint today. 
Well, good morning, fellas. Uh, yeah, you have taken me down memory lane, which doesn't take much effort. <laughs> you're, 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 you're pretty good at it. I, I remember that basketball season for a couple of obscure reasons, referring to the 74 college basketball, mm-hmm. because I got my brand-new Fiat X19, a car I still have, the day Notre Dame broke UCLA's 88-game winning streak, hmm. Hmm. January of that same year. Was, that's right. It was the month before the last weekend, yep. correct? that's correct. And so, and so I, I, I still have that car. In fact, I'm reminded now, just, just in this conversation, that I've had that car for 50 years, <laughs> uh, which just goes, uh, it's never seen, uh, actually, that's not true. I was going to say it's never seen Corvallis, but that's not true, because my son had it down in Corvallis for a while, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I lent it to him. So there's that. And then my wife and I were driving through the valley to visit our friends who had just moved to Salem from Vancouver, Canada. And I'm listening to that game on the radio. I don't know who would have been doing the call. Uh, probably, uh, well, it wouldn't have been Blackburn. Uh, Daryl Lonnie. Daryl Lonnie. Yeah. Daryl Lonnie. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, it was, in fact, I began to slow down because I wanted to make sure I listened to the end of the game before mm-hmm. we got to our friend's house. But here's my question. So for an, for, was the so that was a Friday night game yes. in Corvallis, correct? Yes. So was the game in Eugene Saturday night the next day? Saturday afternoon. About Saturday afternoon, they played back-to-back days in those days in the league, and they played Saturday afternoon about 3 o'clock, I think. So just to go back and help my memory, I didn't find the SI article, and I've got my own little encounter with SI. I want to regale, regale you with it this time. Sure. But I went back and I, I found this story from the New York Times covering the same sequence. This is the opening paragraph of their weekend summaries. Again, if you'll indulge me sure. to allow, uh, allow me to read. After a week, <laughs> you'll love this, guys. After a weekend of floundering, floundering in the wilds of Oregon. You everyone's preseason choice for an eighth straight national championship is suddenly in danger of being shut out of a berth in the NCAA tournament. Oh, oh my God. Now, they did make the tournament because they ended up losing to North Carolina State that year. Correct? In the semifinals. So that? Yes, that's correct. In the semifinals. Yes. Yes. And uh, the, the, the story goes on to relate how. Uh, Gus Williams maybe maybe the player of the best team in the conference, which was SC. I learned in this New York Times story, by the way, and maybe let me test you, Mike, on this. Where does the origin of the term kamikaze kids come from? Are you conversant in that? Well, I mean, it was uh, mentioned by, I think, a Wichita State coach about the way Oregon's players played, diving around for loose balls, taking charges Correct. and all that. Yes. Yeah. Correct. A guy by the name of Harry Miller, who was the Wichita State coach. Yeah. That's pretty impressive that you would remember that. Uh, and, but, but the other interesting, not that you would go there with Bill, but Harder is asked about whether the reporter said it didn't seem as if Bill Walton was playing with his usual intensity. And Harder agrees with him. He says, yes, he's not his usual self, <laughs> Harder says. So I don't know whether Bill had the flu, whether he was in a funk. Right whether his leg was bothering him. But all of, uh, all of that I found of interest. Uh, yeah. uh, as, for, 
any reflections and memories, those are mine. I have one about SI at this time. Sure, go ahead, Dave. Yeah, love it. Thank you. So, so, so after, uh, well, I'm fond of saying uh, when I give a talk about one or the other of my books that there, there, are, there, there are four necessities of life. I'll ask people, what are the four necessities of life? There's food, there's clothing, and there's shelter. Well, the fourth is seeing your name in print. And I, <laughs> I bring this up because the first time I saw my name in print was in Sports Illustrated. Uh, and I'd written a letter to the editor because after the Pittsburgh Steelers had won their fourth Super Bowl, there was, there was talk about the first team. I mean, this was such so history. Mm-hmm. A team had won its fourth Super Bowl. And I wrote in as a Green Bay Packers fan and say, well, the only reason Green Bay doesn't couldn't have, wouldn't have more titles. They didn't play the Super Bowl for Vince's first three. They've actually had five titles in seven years. So that was my sole contribution to pages of Sports Illustrated. That would have been maybe 1981 or 82. So those are my few responses to your topic. The real shock of that story is that I mean, it's hard for me to imagine that you would take time to write a letter to the editor. No, it doesn't surprise me at all. That sounds like just completely part of of the way, you know, you've kind of always absorbed the sporting life as a fan. You you have opinions, you care, you, and the, the stuff, as important as the other necessities are, it sounds like, you know, this whole thing, this whole time, that, you, you know, you found a way to express yourself and you got in print in SI, and that's cool. I like that. It seems it seems of a piece with your spirit. A couple other numbers on my way out, gentlemen. I noted uh, in the story in the New York Times that at, 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 as of that weekend's play, OSU was 3-6 and six in conference play, or uh, University of Oregon was 6-3. and three. I thought that... I thought that was interesting, mm-hmm. and uh, and you were marveling over seventy-one and one. The story remarks that over a course of time, which must have included the eighty-eight game win streak, UCLA men's basketball went a collective two hundred and five and five. Wow! <laughs> wow! Those are different days. And I appreciate you bringing those up, Dave. Good to talk to you. Let's do it again later in the week. Paul, thanks, Paul, for the call. Welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. Oh, good morning. Hey, uh, man, I'll tell you what. I watched that game yesterday, mm-hmm. and well, I only got the start of the fourth quarter, and I had it on for a good, I bet you there was four minutes in the fourth quarter where neither team scored a basket. Mm-hmm. I mean, up and down the court, missed basket, missed basket on both ends. So, Oregon State had a real good chance to win that game. Yeah. And another, another thing I, you know, I find astounding is how could Oregon State, both men and women, keep on playing these teams that out of nowhere, somebody who's never done this before, <laughs> I mean, that girl scores 36 points, never made a three-pointer in her life. Right. She makes two of them right. and scores 36. Yeah. I mean, and, and when the men are playing Washington State, this center comes out of nowhere, scores, what, 24, 26 points? And he's never scored more than 17 before in his life? <laughs> I mean, it's just astounding to me how we keep on getting these guys that just show up and just go crazy. It's just plain bad luck, isn't it? Just plain bad luck. And bad luck and Kiki picking, you know, I mean, she was sensational, yeah. you know, unstoppable. Uh, 
scoring is not only, as you say, with the threes, but hitting those elbow jumpers. I mean, it that was one of the performances that also looked like the, no matter what the Beavers do, this is going to be tough to overcome. Yeah. She had somebody in her face the whole game, it looked like to me. For and the then, most part, yes. There were some elbow jumpers. The two threes she hit were uncontested, and there were some elbow jumpers in the fourth quarter that were uncontested, But and which is unusual for Scott's defenses. But she did get loose for some open looks. But even when she had a hand in the face, Paul, as you're noting, she hit those shots too. Yeah, well, she always she she did a lot of step back jumpers where you can't have a hand in her face because right. she stepped back. There's some truth in that too. Bad exactly. luck, just bad well, luck. And I was really impressed with Tara Vanderveer. How twice she said Scott Rook's yes. whole team congratulated me, and that's yep. just a product of Scott Rook's team. So yeah, his the yeah. team and the culture and the program. Absolutely, she was classy about that. We're going to talk to Jocelyn. One of her former players who went 71-1 and in league under her. She'll join us here in a few minutes. Good talking to you, Paul. Let's take a second break this hour. Would love to hear more from you today. It's not as though I think we, John has discovered through his researches that SI didn't announce that it's closing up shop. They didn't, but it sounded like it. Kind of. It had the feel of it. And the Denver news people were saying, wouldn't this be sad if this is the last mm. cover of a Denver or Colorado sports icon, and it may be, and then they kind of chit-chat, oh, that would be really, so, oh, yeah, that's bad. So let's hope not, but that was the tone I heard on Friday night in on from a Denver TV station. So if you have any thoughts about the magazine, its place in your life, the covers, the stories, the ones you've collected, had signed, and maybe you'll bring your lost weekend one to Bill this weekend, <laughs> you better. I'm not sure how many more opportunities there's going mm. to be. 497-5356. Love to hear from you on the text line. We'll wrap up hour number one next on the Joe Beaver Show. I only have two anecdotes of my time uh, with women's basketball from 99 to 2006. Two anecdotes uh, that involve Tara Vanderveer. Well, three, if you if you count that we got her on this she show. She was on the was show. It last year? Yeah. Couple of years. She ago. was fantastic. Mm-hmm. David Shaw came on. Tara mm-hmm. Vanderveer came on. I mean, that was uh, that was fantastic. Yeah. One of which was um, a game that I called. That uh, at the time I knew. You talk about you talk about Bill Walton saddling up next to uh, Doug Oxen and saying, "You'll remember this mm-hmm. for the rest of your life." I just remember an early career move to get down here, and in two thousand two thousand one, which was what year number two. The Beavers, it was back when Press Row was on the other side right. of the court. Right. I'll never forget that. And Oregon State just routed Stanford. It was just like uh, they were playing, they were playing tough, and then the buildup, and then the crowd, and, and everything. It was just a 81-65 on January 11th of 2000-2001 in front of just 675. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Now, the days prior to that, a week prior to that, 24th-ranked Oregon Beat, uh, let's see, home loss. Yeah, beat Oregon State 71-67 in front of 3,044, which the Beavers got 4,300 just the other night at home against, yeah. I think, Arizona State. So Before the big snap. But, but back in those days, big, a big crowd was 3,000, and it usually was only Oregon. And that was back. So 675, the Beavers won it 81-65. to And I'll, I'll always remember Tara... And uh, her, just the look on her face, 
And I just thought, this may never happen again. So enjoy it while you can. Another little anecdote with Tara Vanderveer was that in 2003, I inherited a family heirloom, a big piano, and I started to really get involved in piano and teaching myself and everything. Well, a couple years into that, 2005 maybe, somewhere around there, we're down to our last minute, Yeah, uh, an article came out on Tara, how she was learning piano. Hmm. And she had made a CD, and it was really, really good, right? So when we would go on road trips during that time period, I would always look for a piano tucked away somewhere in these big hotels we were staying at. Well, it was the Pac-12 tournament in San Jose, and they had grand pianos all around that place. But I found one on a floor where there wasn't any human beings. It was dark, and I started playing this piano, and I was getting pretty good at it. I heard someone coming up the stairs. And it was Tara Vanderveer, and she, she came to check out where's this coming from. Because uh-huh. she was just into her learning how to play piano. Yeah. She looked at me, I looked at her, she knew that I was the radio yeah. guy, and she just kind of smiled and then uh, listened for a minute and then, and, and then left. That's a good moment, Johnny. So there's a little, uh, little anecdote right That's there. That's a good moment. Jocelyn Tinkle will have a few more, having played for Tara for four memorable years, now an assistant coach at Montana. She's at Weber State tonight. She joins us next. It's time for the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio with Mike Parker and John Warren, a duo daily making tough decisions in the world of social media. On Facebook. You are unfriended. On Twitter. Do you follow me? Yes. Well, stop following me. I'll have you arrested. Standing up to belittlement. Get this bum out of here. But appreciating those that get it. They ain't got it too easy, these fellas trying to tell you what a game is like on the radio. And always trying to win over the skeptical. There's a little toy you'll never have any use for, uh, the radio. Ah, yes, the radio. But not just any radio. 1240 Joe Radio and the Joe Beaver Show. And now, here they are. They, they, the ominous they. Mike Parker and John Warren. Yeah, that was just my way of seconding the fact that the guy introducing us said Mike Parker and John Warren. I just felt like I'd better make sure (laughs) you understand that. No, I hit the wrong button. No, it's okay. Hey, good (laughs) afternoon, everybody, and welcome in. Let's go to our first and only guest of the day, and she stands alone because of a transcendent moment in the history of college basketball and collegiate sports yesterday, and as I was watching Stanford, even a after, as Tara herself mentioned, a great effort by Oregon State from an outstanding program that she commended Coach Ruick and the culture and the, the players and the class they showed. Nevertheless, it felt it had an air of inevitability as the game was going along. No matter how well the Beavers were competing, and they mm-hmm. were, this was Tara's day and Stanford's day, and she broke through and won her 1,203rd game as a head coach, the most ever won at the NCAA collegiate basketball level by any coach, anywhere at any time. Coach K with a congratulatory Mm -hmm. message afterwards. But I thought about the arc of Tara's career, and I thought of our own. And we call her that because we love the family and have loved the Tinkle family for so many years, and a true pleasure to get to know Jocelyn during uh, her dad's time here with the Beavers, now coaching herself up at uh, Montana as an assistant, her mother's alma mater, we got a lot to get to with Jocelyn Tinkle. Jocelyn, thanks for taking time for us. I did think of you as I was watching that thing unfold and wondered 
if you were watching the game, you texted right back and said, yeah, I'm watching. So what <laughs> kind of thoughts were going through your mind as you watched the milestone moment occur for the person that recruited you and brought you to Stanford? Yeah, lots of things. What a special night, first yeah. of all. Thanks, thanks for having me. Guys. Yeah, thank always, you. I appreciate it. Always, always fun talking to, to my fellow thieves. Um, yeah, no, it was it was awesome. We're on the road. We play Weaver State tonight, so of course we, we finished up uh, our team meal last night. And we watched some film, so I had it I had it quietly on my phone as I'm watching. Uh, you know, the minutes tick down, and um, you know, just oh, I'm overwhelmed with joy just because it's so cool to see her someone so deserving, so hardworking, achieve uh, an incredible, uh, you know, honor and achievement. And to know that it's going to her, I think, is just really, really special because I've never met someone so, um, you know, decorated, but yet so she just shows such humility um, and grace, and she's done that through it all. And, and so I just, I couldn't have been happier for her. I texted her actually the other night when they got um, the good win on, on Friday. And, you know, within seconds after the game, she texted me back. And it just goes to show who she is. Um, and, you know, just, you know, thanking me, thanking all of her former players that were, you know, small parts of, of uh, you know, her many wins. And so um, I just felt, I felt an incredible amount of gratitude last night just because I, you know, was fortunate enough to play for someone like her. And then just to see her, um, be honored last night to be celebrated. And, you know, I had some major FOMO because I had a ton of teammates, former teammates, and, um, you know, the sisterhood run strong and, and giant with, with Stanford women's basketball. So to see all of them there and celebrating her and who she is and what she's done uh, was, was just a really proud, alum moment. Jocelyn Tinkle joining us on the Joe Beaver Show. Could you take us back to your first sort of encounters with Tara on the recruiting trail when you were – having such a remarkable career at Big Sky High School in Missoula and winning back-to-back state titles and probably recruited by and coveted by everybody. Did Stanford, did Tara and company get in pretty early and you knew, hey, they're calling, I'm going? I mean, how did that whole process work out, Josh? Yeah, you know, yeah, they did. They were definitely recruiting me really early in my high school career. Um, and, you know, I would see them out on the recruiting trail always. And I just, you know, to be honest, I always was a bit intimidated by them, whether it was, you know, the, the school part. They obviously were very, very good. But I think a lot of it, just with, with, with Tara and her staff, they just carried themselves in such a, I don't like, just professional, composed, and, and they were good. And I think I just always looked at them in admiration, of course, which is like, wow, like they mean business. Like they're the real deal, just you know, how they carry themselves, all of my conversations. And so um, I was admired that about them. And now carrying that into my, like, coaching and recruiting, um, you know, a side of things, it's, it's kind of funny just to think back of, of them. And, um, I mean, to be honest, when I was young, I mean, I always really, really loved Stanford, and, and my dad really loved Stanford. And um, I didn't really know until I got a little bit, you know, near the end of my recruiting, like, man, this is, this is hard to turn down. Um, you know, to have the opportunity to play for someone like Tara and just what they've done and their team. And once I stepped foot on campus and, and met the team, and um, I was there for, I think, an exhibition game and uh, really just got to know them better because throughout the recruiting process, you really don't know um, that you get in. You know, you have to go through the same application process as just kind of any old student. And so uh, it kind of it kind of hinders, honestly, how close you can develop a relationship. I mean, just a little bit because you're just not sure if you're if you're in. So once I was accepted and you know took my visit, it was just like this is this is a it's a feeling you get when you're there. It's an incredible special place. 
Um, and, you know, you're just surrounded by exceptional people like Tara. And so, um, you know, she, she was great. She came out to Missoula. Her assistant, Amy Tucker, came out to Missoula a bit. You know, we joke still because she came over to dinner for, for a, you know, in-home visit. Mom cooked a meal, and, you know, she, the only thing she could talk about, we still joke about it, is she was so scared to see a bear <laughs> in Missoula, Montana. <laughs> she was walking, walking out to her car, and I assured her it, it would be a very unlikely chance. But, um, I mean, she's great. She's, she, and, again, now, as, as a mentor, uh, as a coaching mentor, she's always there to pick up any text, phone call. Um, and I'm just super, super grateful for her and the relationship we have. Jocelyn Tinkle, former Stanford great, now current assistant at Montana, her mom and dad's alma mater. We'll talk about the transition into the coaching world the last couple of years in a moment. In fact, I'd like to do that right now in terms of Tara's influence. I'm wondering, mm -hmm. Jocelyn, as you coach the game, you grew up in a coach's household, so you've always been around it, but do you find yourself running the tracks of all those practices, the tapes of Tara's <laughs> sayings or drills or approaches? I mean, is a lot of that just sort of the way you've been trying to convey some of the concepts of the game to your players at Montana? Absolutely. And if I wouldn't, I'd be really, really dumb. <laughs> you know, she's won a lot of games. She's had a lot of success. So for me to not, to not try and absorb and be a sponge and, and, you know, relay what I've learned as a player from her and to share that with my current kids that I coach, it would be silly of me not to. Um, but I mean, certainly, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. She wasn't the easiest to play for. I mean, she, she just demanded, um, a very, very high standard. And, and looking back now, I mean, sure, a lot of us kids were playing there were just like, oh my gosh, you know, she, you know, whether she's a stickler about, you know, running through these offensive threads or this is the position you need to be on the court and, you know, in this defensive scheme. You know, back then I think, gosh, you know, it's super nitpicky. But now, you know, after the years of playing and, you know, playing on professionally, not, you know, playing for her and now into like being a coach, I, I totally noticed myself being just as irritated <laughs> with, you know, with our players mm -hmm. not doing the silly, silly little things and fundamentals. And so it's funny. I, I often giggle to myself because I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I know how she felt like, <laughs> you know, or um, but she, I mean, she was such a student. She is still such a student of the game of basketball. I mean, she's constantly wanting to learn. She's constantly watching film and she just was always so hardworking and, and, um, that now more than ever as I'm getting into, you know, my coaching career. And, um, yeah, I want to hold myself to a high standard. I want to constantly be learning and, and observing. And, and, you know, she, she was a sponge. I mean, she would a lot of times bring a lot of other coaches in. And, and you know, I remember, like, Princeton stuff. Like she brought in someone mm -hmm. from her staff, like, mm -hmm. hey, help us help us learn this and run this better. And so, again, it just goes to show she doesn't take herself to seriously. She, she knows that she can always be better and improve. And I think that's what I admire most about mm -hmm. her is that, um, she's constantly working, and you know, with all, and she could easily be, you know, a very arrogant person uh, with with all that she has accomplished in her life. But it's just not who she is. Um, and I also admire that. Just you know, you never want to take yourself too serious, and you want to constantly be be learning and getting better. And um, you know, but she she's really really smart. She was a you know we say scouting report kind of coach. So when we go into game planning, she loves to to nitpick and find you know, strengths and weaknesses of the opponents and really kind of adjust our game plan, you know, to take away their strengths and weaknesses. And so, and, you know, I'm fortunate now, you know, coaching into Brian Holsinger, I know Scott is, was very similar like that. And so that's kind of how mm -hmm. we run things too, is really scouted report based, but it's so much easier for me to kind of pick up and learn and, and speak on because it's how we just ran things also um, of just wanting to try and, you know, not only outwork, but outsmart mm -hmm. other teams as well. And so a lot of that comes from, comes from Tara and just um, 
I mean, gosh, like I said, just the amount of hours she put, would put into each game and trying to convey that as best and put us in the you know best situation as possible. That's what all we're trying to do is help our kids be you know set up to be you know successful. Yeah. So Jocelyn, if you had to though, if someone said why the Longevity doesn't matter because her winning percentage is so high. So it's not just because mm-hmm. she's coached forever that she has all these wins. It's because she coached forever sure. with a lot of wins every year. If someone asked you, mm-hmm. as a former player and a, and a current coach somewhere else, if someone asked you, Jocelyn Tinkle, what is it that she espouses? What, why is she so good? And it can't just be because yeah. of longevity. It could, I mean, is sure. she a, a stickler to the fundamentals? I mean, you already touched a mm-hmm. little bit on the yeah. fact that she is a really good scouting report person and wants to expose what the other team can't do. But what are some other things that make her so successful? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, other than what I kind of already I mean, in, in me, most of the, the, or more than most, you know, being raised under a, a coach's roof and winning is hard. Mm-hmm. And this business is not easy. It is incredibly hard, and it is it is. I don't even want to. It's not impossible, obviously, but it is so difficult to do what she's done. I think I read some stat the other day too that she's had, I don't know, thirty some seasons of at least thirty wins. I mean, that is incredible. And um, how she's done it is she is one of the most. I mean, if not the most competitive person I've ever met and I've ever been around. I mean, she she is never satisfied, and I think that hunger and that fire that she still has after all these years of coaching is what is what just helps her win. And obviously she's a great recruiter um, and, and she's done a really great job. And I, this is probably my favorite thing about my time at Stanford is, is the culture that she instills and the culture that she builds with her team. I mean, it is honestly a really, really special thing. I mean, I, we had some unbelievable teams, but just the culture and the, the way she would get us to rally for one another and go out there and fight every day in practice, fight in every game, um, is is honestly what's probably never spoken about, but she just does such a great job of building that culture and that competitive winning culture. And that's hard to do year to year with different teams, mm-hmm. different generations. I mean, it, it is. It's really, really difficult. But I think that's what she's done um, extremely well, and she obviously recruits great kids. But she is just so competitive, um, and she's never satisfied. I mean, honestly, like, we'd get a big win. She'd maybe want to celebrate it for 10 minutes after, and the next day it's back to work. You know, it's... It's and she's watching film and she's learning how she can get better. So I, I, it's it's honestly just her passion for the game um, that she still just yearns for day in and day out is 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 pretty remarkable. Yeah, she recruits great kids. That that is a truth, and you are certainly one of them, Jocelyn. I want to talk to you mm-hmm. a little bit more about uh, your own career as a player for her, but and kind of jump off at Kiki Erie Offen's game yesterday. Mm-hmm. 36 points and hits two threes, and she'd never made a three before. I felt bad for <laughs> I felt bad for Scott Ruick and the Beavs because I thought they played well and competitively, and they're right. good. They're a good team, I think, yeah. on their way to the tournament. Mm-hmm. But when you got somebody like Kiki going off like that and doing things she'd never really done before, although she right. was always being prodded by Tara to do that, I wondered a little bit about you and your four years and the things she said, hey, Joss, you can do this. Try this. You're good at this. Don't be afraid to do it. Did you have moments like that with her? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, she demands and and she makes you work and she makes you earn it. But, you know, you put in that work to, to build that confidence in yourself. You know, and, and you know, when you know you have a great player like Brink out in an important game like that, it, it, 
she, uh, you know, instills a belief in others. Like, okay, it's someone else's term to, time to, to step up. I mean, when you were on the roster, and that's the thing with my team, you know, you would go one bounce spot one through 15, and everyone was, you know, an incredible player and, and tough player. So, honestly, just being able to be ready for that opportunity when it comes. And, and Kiki stepped up last night when, you know, someone, the player in Brink is out. Um, you know, she took it on her shoulders. Like, you know, she it was an important game, whether it was for Tara or not. But, you know, she was ready. And, and, and Tara's work ethic and how she approaches practice every day, I mean, she helps instill that belief in you as a player. And I have a funny story, too, because I remember my senior year, you know, I, I played I played a wing uh, my, my last two years, and so I was um, kind of a catch-and-shoot kid, certainly not a, a ball handler creator, but, you know, pretty good shooter, and we had, you know, a lot of length through our team. But I remember I went through this little, this little shooting slump, like, for maybe about a month, and I just was so frustrated. You know, I just, I, I wasn't hitting the shot from outside the arc. And I remember one day in practice, and now she wasn't the, like, get in your face and, you know, scream at you or anything like that. But one practice, she had, you know, the scout team would go against scout guys or some other kids, and she legit told them, do not guard Jocelyn when she catches it. You know, which is kind of, you know, that <laughs> is, like other teams would scout and not give me open shots. Right. Um, but she literally would have the scout team stay in the paint. And so, you know, after a few times, I'm getting pretty hot. You know, I'm I'm kind of like, okay, Tara, really? You know, I'm kind of getting pissed because that's just the disrespect. But let me tell you, it works, you know, and I go through that practice and I think I finally banged like, I don't know, five to six threes. And I, you know, and I'm kind of mad, but you know, after like about the fifth one, she's over there just cheering and just hollering and getting me going. I'm like, all right, I get it now. I get mm-hmm. what you were trying to do. Mm-hmm. And it, it just, it was instilling that confidence back of like, this is who you are, believe in it. And she was going to be a little competitive with me, which I liked. And so it's just who she is. And it's, how she approaches each kid different and gets you to play your best. And I, I do. I, now more than ever do I understand that. At the time, I maybe did it. But now more than ever, I understand just who she is and what she's trying to do for each one of her kids. That's a great story. Thanks for sharing that, Jocelyn. <laughs> Last couple of things. I know you got a big game tonight. Yeah, you didn't yeah. experience losing very often oh, anywhere man. in your mm-hmm. career as a player. But when I look back <laughs> over your life, 71 and 1 in regular season conference play in four mm-hmm. years, mm-hmm. 137 and 10 in your four years <laughs> with her. I mean, Jocelyn, that's just, un- I mean, it's ridiculous. So good, and yet you probably in the middle of it didn't think about it in those terms. When you look back now, right. isn't that a wow? Right. We did that? It, it is. And I feel, I, it's when it just puts a big spell on my face because I think back to just all the awesome teammates we had. I mean, I was super lucky to play with just. Um, really talented uh, women and obviously have an incredible coaching staff that would just work so hard for us. Um, and it is, it, it, like I said, in the moment, I didn't know any different. I think that's what's the beautiful thing about going to Stanford and playing for is like when you step in there as a freshman, you don't know any different because the upperclassmen instill this standard of like, we do not lose. And I remember being so disappointed and I just felt like, you know, as a senior, we lost to Cal, the only conference game that we ever mm-hmm. lost in four years. We lost to Cal. The year they went to the Final Four, but we lost to them on our home court, and which is unheard of. You don't lose at Maples. That was the standard, the gold standard. And I just remember feeling like I let down the whole sisterhood and everyone that came before me because it was just such a big deal. But you had a – and she does, you know, Tar does a great job of, you know, finding those leaders. And so when I was a young freshman, those leaders and those seniors were like, this is what we do. And so when I was there, the seniors, like, this is what we passed on to the younger, you know, younger generation, the younger classmen. It's just like, we don't lose. We rally together. We always find a way. We always, 
you know, we always find a way. And so I look back now and it's like, yeah, it's an unbelievable, unbelievable stat. I'm very, very fortunate to have won a lot of games. We did some amazing things and, you know, lived amazing experiences um, during during those times of wearing a, a Stanford uniform and playing for Tar. And so, uh, you know, it just, it, it's really special. I don't really, I'm kind of at a loss of words because now that you just bring it, I'm like, yeah, it, it's hard. <laughs> well, okay, but... but... And, you, and, and Tara does not get bored of it, that's for sure. <laughs> Do you use it to your advantage when you're trying to make an impression on the kids you're, 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 uh, you're coaching? Because <laughs> someone has to say it. I mean, uh, someone <laughs> like... listen to her. You better listen to her. You might want to listen to her. She's only lost like 10 games. <laughs> for Stanford, yeah. nonetheless. I mean, you, you've got some, yeah, some cred. <laughs> A little bit, you know. My my uh, my players—they're a little bit too young, and I don't like to admit it. I'm as old as I am, but I have to remind them every now and again whether they want to challenge me to a pig game or you know take it out on me like, "Oh, coach, you're old, you're a has been." I have to remind them, like, "All right, you're not giving me enough credit, you guys." Wow. So every now and again, but no, I mean, Coach Holson, you're too. I mean, he he coached against Tara for so many years, and so he knows how special she is and how brilliant she is as a coach. And so he often, he reminds them more, more than me, maybe, uh, to like, Hey, she, she might know a thing or two. And that's, I mean, that's all credit just to playing for her and playing with some, some exceptional, um, you know, basketball players. Final thing, Jocelyn, we appreciate time on a game night. Uh, I think you're finishing up a team meal or something. Thanks for making time mm-hmm. for us here. Of course. I'm interested to know how the transition into coaching, how it's all gone. Has it been what you expected? Have there been some, well, not quite, some real surprises in terms of what what it takes, what it requires? I don't even know, you know, what your own dad, his counsel was when you approached him. Hey, I've got this opportunity. I I know your mom Mm -hmm. and dad who both played where you're coaching, I'm sure, are thrilled and delighted about the full circle aspect of it. But what about coaching itself, Jocelyn, the challenge that it's been thus far, the things you're loving about it, and maybe some things that it took you a little bit about, ooh, I get this now. Right. Yeah, you know, it's funny. All my years, yeah, you know, being raised under the roof of my dad and watching him, I knew it was difficult. I knew it was hard. But um, not until you get in it, you're like, holy smokes, there is a lot more ins and outs to it. And so... Um, it's definitely exceeded expectations, but in the most rewarding, best ways. Um, I mean, I can't imagine doing anything different. Being able to, you know, share your experiences, be around, you know, these young women is, is every day is uh, pretty special. And so there's a big reward to it, but there's obviously been way more challenges than, than you think. I mean, there's, you know, I used to think like, oh, my, it's hard being a coach. And, you know, my dad goes, but I'm like, what possibly could you do from, you know, 8 in the morning till, you know, the wee hours of the night? Like, it doesn't end. Like, it never yes. stops. Recruiting never stops. Um, so you're constantly working, and so you know it, it's 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 different in that sense. Where I'm just like it's it's just never ending, and um, you want to be good and you want to be successful. So you got to work really hard, but it's it's the people are what make it. You know, um, I think the, the the best for me is just like you're around these young women. You have a chance to impact their lives. I think that aspect of it has exceeded expectations. Like I knew that's why I wanted a coach because I knew that I could. Um, help share my experiences, and um, but the impact and the influence you have on these um, young women every single day is 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 why I do it, and why I love doing it, and why I want to work hard, and um, you know, stay in this industry. I, I question it at times, but <laughs> yeah, it's because uh, it's a lot of hard work, but it's it's really really. Fun. But you feel like you're on a path that you could be in for a long time. Then are you telling me that that hey, this yeah. is it's sitting well I, with you? <laughs> 
I think so. I mm-hmm. think so. That's for sure that the path that I want to continue to go down. And it may change. You know, we had a talk from the other night. It changes. Right. Change, and you're just like, what the heck are we doing? I mean, I know that just from being my dad. But just to see him also, um, it's hard. It's, it's yeah. never easy. And you're going to have good years. You're going to have bad years. And but just how I've seen even my dad, someone like him, handle it and um, with gracefully. And just you continue to just take it on head on every single day. You show up and you go to work and, and you continue to get better. And so I think that's just, that's how you face it. So luckily I have some pretty incredible uh, mentors and role models that I can try and mirror as, as best as possible. Jocelyn, it is great to hear your voice again and to talk to you. We miss you seeing it all the games where you kind of built your uh, career and held off coaching so you could see <laughs> Trace play. Ellie together were a <laughs> tremendous presence. You were a marrow. <laughs> On the court, I would say, yeah. pass into the left corner in front of the Tinkle Sisters, you know, as I was <laughs> yeah, calling right. play by play. I miss those I, times. I miss it. But I'm really I glad. I too. I'm sure. Thanks. Oh, sorry, man. No, go ahead. You miss it, too, you were going to say? Oh, I miss it tons. I miss being in Gill, cheering yeah. those guys on. I'm sure the, pa- the Pac-12 breaths don't miss it. Really <laughs> um, anytime I get a chance to wa- watch you guys, and it's always talk to you, I appreciate it. So thanks so much. Thank you so much, thanks, Jocelyn. Jocelyn. Good luck tonight against Weber State. Jocelyn Tinkle, our guest. What a delightful person. Yeah. Stanford grad reflecting on playing for the winningest coach in the history of the game. Well, I hope the kids know that they're, that her mom holds the records. Where they're playing. Well, I think, I'm sure that's all, Coach Olsinger and company, I'm sure that's all been pretty well communicated. You need to listen to this one here. That's a great, what a, you know, I talk about full circle and all of that. I mean, I'd like to talk to Jocelyn someday about other matters, including, you know, she was born in Sweden and wasn't eight until they moved to the United States. Really? She's probably got memories of traveling around while her dad's playing pro ball in Europe. She also... I read this. Well, this will be Who, next who's time. Who's the oldest in the family? She is. She is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I read in her Stanford bio her senior year under mm-hmm. the, you know how they, favorite hobby, you know, hobbies, <laughs> right, right. favorite movie, books, favorite food, Those, those are your and my favorite section. She has one in her senior year in her bio, and I've never, I never found this before, but in kind of looking over the arc of her career with respect yeah. to that of Tara's. The, it's the final thing in her in her bio. Yeah, and can you imagine? I haven't seen this, and thus could have engaged in it myself with her. It says one of her favorite pastimes is quoting movie lines with her siblings. <laughs> I doubt they're black and white. Well, yeah, but I've seen a few motion pictures in Technicolor. I might have been able to play that game. Well, with, uh, I think I think Jocelyn. I would guess that it would be more along the lines of Tom Cruise movies. But if we're playing a game of horse with respect to answering, getting correct movie lines, yeah. and I, I could probably beat her on a decisive thing if I <laughs> quoted from the old-fashioned way or my little chickadee. Well, yeah. Yeah, you'd have to stay. She wouldn't now, be. maybe not. Maybe she is really <laughs> into the older know. stuff. But really delightful person, and uh, she's going to be in the business a long time yeah. as a coach. Probably wow. a head coach somewhere someday. They've maybe. done a great job at Montana. Yeah, they have. Under Holsinger. And, and they are coming off a tough loss. It's a big game for them tonight at Weber State. Down the stretch today, <coughs> Jim Jarvis tomorrow Jenny Kavnar tomorrow. Who? Well, Jenny <laughs> called the game with Matt Muehlbach Saturday night in Boulder. I don't know how many of you watched or listened, but if, if how was she? I'm asking. We're not going to talk so much about that game or her, <laughs> you know, her her call 
uh, of the of that game in particular. No, but more about a young woman making a mark at a very high level. Former broadcaster with the San Diego Padres had great uh, stories to tell about Vin Scully. Named her son. They named their son Vincent. Wow. After Vin Scully. And she's with the Rockies now, right? She does Rockies games now. So Have she'll you ever had her on before? No, no. Never heard of her. Never heard of her until the other day. Huh. Met her, visited with her, along with uh, chatting with Matt Muehlbach. Matt apologized for not getting to us. We thought we might be able to get him for the yeah. Joe Beaver show on yeah. Friday. We'll talk to him down the road. Would love to talk with you next. Open phones. Anything on your mind with respect to... Tara's big day, the Beavers' part in it. Were you proud of the team and the way they comported themselves and played on that big stage? Four nine seven fifty three fifty six. What Sports Illustrated do you covet or do you own? Yeah, and SI, which has gone through a lot of challenging times of late and a big layoff the other day, four-fifths of their staff. I mean, I just worry about the future of this iconic magazine. Yeah, and I want to know, too, not just which one do you own, but were you like Mike and myself and many others in our, our generation of collecting them? Yeah, collecting <laughs> your them mom and reading or them. Somebody said, either your mom or your wife. It's not going to be your dad. Right. Either the mom or the wife says you got to get rid of these things. They are so... The, having them, though, I have boxes. Yeah. And... Sometimes, but they're uh, not. Uh, yours aren't in mint condition. No, they're not because they've been uh, folded, spindled, and mutilated. <laughs> and I had to carry them. And you've carried them in boxes. <laughs> By the way, have you heard that that term? Remember that? Do not fold, spindle, or mutilate. Do you no. remember that as a term in your life? No. Does that phraseology it's, mean it's anything it's to too you? Old. Anybody out there? What am I referring to? You've seen that in writing. The what is it referred has to? Never come across <laughs> my. Do not fold, spindle, or mutilate. <laughs> I'm afraid I did all three with my SIs. But one of the favorite exercises for me in my life, an underrated activity, reach into a box of SIs, yeah. pull one out at random, and you may have something from 1973, March of '73, and you got stuff. <laughs> Interesting stuff to read about. You absolutely do, and keep that alive because uh, that that's a huge thing. What was the other magazine that it, you had to have if you were allowed or able to have two magazine subscriptions? It was Sports Illustrated and probably Sport for me. No, it was Sporting News. Sporting News. Oh, Sporting right. News was right. big on baseball. Yeah. In they fact, were. you could get you you couldn't find. Minor, minor league baseball information anywhere other than other than sporting that's news, true which i didn't care about but someone made that point 30 years it's ago true. and i thought yeah that is true the sporting news i still have a bunch of those too that was a great it was, it was more great, like a paper kind it was a, of. yeah and that's why when you said magazine it was yeah, yeah but it was i mean it's sporting news yeah had its era and its time but as John asks, as we go to break, any covers you cherish that you're glad you got and signed? Give us an example or two on the text line or if you want to call on any of these matters, 497-5356. It feels as though the returns continue to be good for Trent Bray in football with Joshua Gray coming back. I like the things we're hearing. Ooh, that's great news. We have all signs, uh, kinds of requests out when the coaches live settle down a little bit to talk to Ryan Gunderson, to Keith Hayward, to Kyle Devan, and others. But they're just they're they're in their world now. As Jocelyn says, it never stops. It doesn't. But when they take a deep breath as mm -hmm. we open the show, talking about doing, we hope to get in touch with some of our favorite former Beavers, as well as the head coach, who's doing a heck of a job. 
and I like the news and the reports we're hearing. Love to hear from you down the stretch on the Joe Beaver Show. Uh, Purdue? Or Purdue. <coughs> well, that the cough right there was for Scott. By yeah, way. Scott. And Scott, we apologize. <laughs> he, Scott, thank you for the text. He, he says, says he's enjoying the show. He's enjoying the show today. Stop, Stop coughing. coughing. No, I wish I could. Wish we, yeah, both of us. Just every once in a while, but it's getting better. Yeah. It's getting a little better. Thank you, Scott, for the <laughs> nice text, though. And we wish we could. What else you got on the text line? Well, Glennie writes in to say, I do remember the uh, win, the Beavers against UCLA. I was there. Seriously? I didn't think you were oh, that old. It's not that long ago, 50 years ago. What years? 19, he's talking about the 73, oh, 74 yeah. lost uh, weekend. No, okay, I would have been 50. Eight. I would have been eight. Uh, and, and told me I was there and told me that, listen to Daryl, that he got so excited that you could not understand a word he said. Yeah, that's just so bad when announcers just get carried away like that. <laughs> <laughs> No win or moment has ever gotten me. I just maintain a just a very level as we professionals ought to do. So Andy and Mitchell have written two long ones here. Okay. Uh, Good for you, Daryl, by the way. Yeah, right. I don't blame you. <laughs> I spent Friday night listening to the first two hours of Softy and Dick podcast with the women's basketball game on mute in the background. was a beautiful evening. Fain said he didn't like the transaction nature of college football, and Softy said he felt like something had been stolen from him. <laughs> I actually laughed out loud. Basketball yeah. game wasn't bad either. Yeah, <laughs> hey, Andy, see, I laughed out loud as soon as he said that Softy said that. Yeah. Thank also, you. sounds like McMillan and Fafita are staying at Arizona. If that's true, the dogs are in trouble. There was one player that is going to Washington. Oh. I think it was McMillan. I, I could be wrong on that. Okay. Uh, he's, he goes on to say on another text, same day, like TJ, the SI copy I kept was Seahawks themed. Uh, by the way, um, uh, Mike in Seattle, who's in surprise, he showed a picture of the one he saved and that's the same one that TJ had okay. uh, with the, uh, Russell Wilson. Um, mine was Richard Sherman, July or August issue 2013. It has Sherman with the, uh, uh, you mad bro on the cover. <laughs> It was the most hyped off-season of all Seahawk fans' lives. We all knew we, what we had going into that year, and the hype was realized with a Super Bowl six months later. Great moment in my sports life. Side note, the excitement I felt was very similar to what I felt about the Beavers heading into the fall of 2023. Unfortunately, it was a very, a very different end result, Andy and Mitchell. An interesting tidbit, he says in a third text, I believe both Brock Heward's daughters play basketball for Montana. Is that right? Right now? I'll have to look that yeah, up. Yeah, we will have to look that up. I have that right in front of me, in fact. Let me, uh, what, the Grizz roster? Yeah, because okay. I was looking something else up. Uh, well, you look that up. I will also show you. And, and TJ yells that oh, is correct, come on, sir. Let TJ. know what I just saw with my eyes. <laughs> get all the credit. Come on, get all the credit. <laughs> no, Lord. TJ, come here. Haley Heward and Macy Heward. TJ. I, I, I'm serious. Like, uh, I would love to have TJ come in here to see how often it... I assume, TJ, you know that. Are they twins, by the way? I don't think so. Does Brock, uh, do, on the Brock and Salk show, does Brock, far be no, it from a dad. No, one's a junior, one's a freshman. Okay, one, he, far he, be it from a dad to ever talk about his kids. Yeah, but does Brock about talk about him? He talks about him a lot. As well he should. Yes. Does he credit uh, the coaching staff? <laughs> I don't think I've heard anything about the coaching staff. Okay, but he'll just say, he, I w he'll say, I was in Missoula this weekend. Yeah, it and takes we, a lot of trips up there. Yeah. 
to wow, see. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't look play, at yeah. the Grizz roster before getting Josh and Lana on. But yeah. Pretty cool. Okay, so cool. two girls. Two, Brock, Brock has two daughters yes. that are playing. Prop Jocelyn might have been involved in recruiting. Six them. one and six two. Mm. He's got a tall family. His son was there during the during the Civil War. Brock was calling the game on Fox in he talks about his son a lot too, because his okay. son plays football, and yeah, he's like, "Yeah, this is great. I get to teach my kid how to how to play football." And he had his son with him there in the press oh, box. Oh, nice! Did they show him? No, oh, well, okay. I walked past him because Brock, oh, like okay. Brock, was there, and he's walking with his son. I didn't realize how tall his son was, who's significantly you, taller than me. Did you talk to Brock while there? Briefly, and you said, "I listen to you. I'm a fan." Yeah, yeah. That. So okay. I I talked to him briefly before he, he remembered who I was, but like in the bathroom line. Yeah, he's but, been yeah, a guest Brock. of yours. Hasn't yes, he, he has. Yeah, yeah a lo- it, it was almost a year ago now, but yeah. Are you so, still doing that podcast? Yeah. Okay, give a give a quick plug. Get it out there. Yeah. What is Marine it Layer exactly? Podcast, All Say Things again. Mariners. Oh, I'm sorry, I interrupted. Marine you. Layer Podcast, Marine All Things layer. Mariners. We get the uh, best guests there are. So, it's good. and you had Brock on to do a Mariner sort of yep. take. Or? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. And does he Brock follow it closely? Yeah, he does. Well, he's got to talk about it every day. Right. So okay. he does. He he's a, he's a big baseball guy. Okay. Loves baseball. Marine Layer Podcast. Yeah, it's growing. Yeah. Oh, it is good for you. We do, we do pretty well. We got <laughs> we got a got a pretty good lineup of guests. We had I, uh, I Mariners reliever Justin Topa on last week. That was good. Yeah, a couple more players coming up here before uh, before we get to spring training. He's even so issued his responsibilities here so that he can tape that podcast. <laughs> I much know. to the chagrin of, it around. Much to the chagrin of management. He, he, I do whatever I want. Yeah, well, I, I know, technically I am management. <laughs> that's and that's the type of life that we all want to live. What do you do? Well, whatever I want. Whatever I want. There you go. <laughs> now, is that a Napoleon Dynamite line? Give it to me quickly, Jocelyn Tinkle. Is that what are you going to do today? And gosh, wh- whatever I want, or something to that effect, or whatever I, I, I want to. Yeah. Gosh, ask. only he is the way he does. It's like. Whatever, Gosh, I, whatever, whatever I, I want. want, I love it. <laughs> I let, when I first heard that line, I thought, that's a well-written and well-delivered yeah. movie line. What do you got tonight? Oh, uh, <laughs> Corvallis in South Albany tonight. Women, uh, girls first and then Gr- boys? Yeah, girls first, then boys, 5.30 and 7 o'clock around there. The uh, girls' matchup's pretty good, top five matchup in 5A. Ooh, you're doing both games? Both games good tonight, yep. Well, right uh, here. Well, full night. Yeah, good it'll be good. You. First doubleheader of the season. Awesome. Good job, TJ. Thank you. Good stuff. TJ, uh, actually, at the same time, we heard it from down the hall as you were finding the fact that Brock's daughters play at Montana with Brian Holsinger, former Beaver assistant for Scott Ruick. They may not be twins, but they sure look alike. No, they're not. He said there's a couple of years, freshman and a junior, I think. They sure look alike. 6'1", 6'2". That's tall, man. That's your front line right there. We have a final break to take. I got a, a text from... Bob Van Vliet. Thank you, Bob. Look at that one. I love this. Speaking of Sports Illustrated covers, college basketball issue. Back in the day when they would put out an annual issue with deep reports on every conference and have a top 25 with a breakdown of each team in the top 20 or top 25. The Super Softs, and there's (laughs) Magic Johnson. I had that one. Magic Johnson in a tuxedo. Dunking. And Bob says... I got this signed at the Far West Classic. Oh. And Magic and Judd Heathcote came into the Classic, I believe, right? Um, was I think it was the national championship year. 78, uh, yeah, 79. Year. He was a sophomore. <coughs> 78, 79. They was, came was in the in of December year. of 78, I believe. Yeah. Now, maybe the year before. It's possible. Mm. But uh, I'm going to have to. the same year Indiana came in? 
No, Indiana came in the year before, and yes. maybe after, but they came in the year before 32-0. and 0. They came in in 74-75, Indiana did. Oh, no. they uh, And yeah, then maybe later, too. But A year or two later, because um, there was a, a, a citywide free-throw contest to see who gets to be the ball boy for Indiana, oh. and my friend Paul won. So I know they were here in 74-75 the year before they went 32-0. and 0. Then I think... Now, I'm not sure then. Well, if they we came were back junior later, high, so it would have been 77 or 78. That sounds about right. I think Bob might have brought yeah. the team back yeah. in that era, too. But and Magic, I think, when they came to the Classic, it might have been the year they won it all, which was 78, 79. Yeah. He and Larry squaring off at the Huntsman Center in the title game. Yep, that's right. But I think, I thought Michigan State's appearance in the classic was the year before but it might have been the same we'll double check and then, on that and then uh one more anecdote um let's see about magic and indiana i can't remember okay well it'll come to you as we take our final yeah. break and speaking of children and daughters and we talked to jocelyn wayne and lisa's daughter we just heard about brock heward's daughters let me make a quick a quick plug and hope and I, i'm actually hoping to build this up into something you and amy and scott can share is just sort of a public service announcement. Here it is. Albany Civic Theater, the debut Friday night, 7.30, downtown Albany. The Great Gatsby, a version adapted by a Portland, young Portland playwright, the world premiere. I think it's Maeve Z. O'Connor. She's working in, uh, in New York in theater there now. She's coming out for the premiere on Friday of her adaptation of the classic Gatsby novel, for the purposes of the Albany Civic Theater's production of The Great Gatsby, Friday night, 7.30, three straight weekends. Tickets, I heard, have been a little sluggish, so I'm just hoping those of you listening in the area, it's, uh, I've, been, I've been to one of the rehearsals. I've actually helped build the sets a little bit. Not doing much of the building, but hey, bring that over here, please. Okay, here you go. But really looking forward to uh, going to the show Friday night. Hope you are, too. I know we have the Diamond Dinner Friday, but Lydia's premiere is Friday. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I'm at Lydia's premiere. You understand mm-hmm. oh, how yeah. that works? Oh, yeah. Albany Civic Theater, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for the next three weekends. The Great Gatsby with my daughter Lydia playing Jordan Baker, the golfer. Thank heaven she didn't have to swing a golf club in the production <laughs> because the old man wouldn't have been able to help her with her swing. Yeah. But Jordan, Jordan Baker, a memorable character, Daisy's best friend in The Great Gatsby. And Lydia's playing her. Friday night. Is that a major role? It is a it's a very big role in it. Yeah. Not, not got, it's a Gatsby and Daisy and then she's right there uh, after Nick and uh, and Jordan are kind of wow. next in line. So she's got she's we rehearse lines together, she's practiced them. It's an incredible novel by the way. I mean huh. those of you who've read it know that, but I'm looking forward to seeing the adaptation uh, by the Albany Civic Theater's crew Friday night. Final break coming up on the Joe Beaver show. Yeah. All right, here we go. Magic uh, won the on. Far West title. In, the same year? And Indi- they beat Indiana. They were both there that night. And the title game, You may think about the tournament that, we that used when, to have. That was when Paul was the ball, ball boy because it. we were in junior high when he won the contest. Okay. 78-79 season, wherein that finished with Magic beating Larry at Huntsman for the title. They won the Far West Classic Championship, beat Washington State in the opener of their three-game run. 
then defeated the Beavers, who were on the cusp of becoming yeah, a great yeah. team. 78-79, 65-57, Bobo and then Indiana in the championship game, 74-57. I remember going to uh, Ralph Miller basketball camp that year, 78, also went in 79, and uh, that was the very beginning because the guys were coming around a little bit. They hadn't yet mm-hmm. reached that peak, right. but we knew that Oregon State historically was great in basketball. We just kind of knew that as junior high kids. And uh, I'll just never forget the name Bobo Campbell. He was on the team. He wasn't a main player. Right. But it was just a memorable name when you're 13 years old, Bobo. Mm-hmm. And he shot some free throws with us and was pretty cool when we were, when we were kids. Um, got a call related to me mm-hmm. from off the air uh, from a gentleman. I can't remember his name. He said he was the first caller in 2024. Your age thinks you're the greatest thing since sliced bread when it comes to Baseball and, and Pac-12 baseball, you're the Vin Scully of that. Absolutely thinks you're the best and uh, loves today's show. Lots of memories from hmm. today's show. Well, sir, thank you. Uh, we will have uh, Jenny Kavnar on tomorrow at 12.05 <coughs> with holding a slot every day this week for Bill Walton coming to town with the uh, broadcast Thursday night when the Beavers host Arizona. Jim Jarvis tomorrow. But you said you've got a couple of other things oh, working. Jenny Kavnar named her son Vincent after Vin Scully because Vin, she said, was one of the wow. kindest of men when she was just getting started in her career with the San Diego Padres, Dodgers and Padres games. She said the greatest honor of her life was getting to meet and visit with Vin Scully and that he was as nice a person. She revered him as everybody does in the sure, broadcasting sure. industry, but actually got to interact with him and was so impressed by him they named their first son after him very cool yeah. very cool uh kip writes in yeah all-time si for a corvallis boy february 9th 1981 with a big feature on number one oregon Ex- orange express and it was the swimsuit issue oh 1981 did they have swimsuit oh yeah they did they go way back i remember those. um cheryl teagues i think in the s- about 1980 i remember that one anyway um, all right, Kip, good one. Good so one they there. weren't on the cover. <laughs> yeah. But but there was a story within and you get you know, you got that issue for the article. Right, right. And there was a story did. on the on the Orange Express rolling in eighty eighty one. Thanks for Very that. Very cool. Kip. I think that Daryl called the Far West Classic Championship game in which Magic played on the Beaver Network. That's from Glennie. Okay, thank you, Glennie. Uh, social media regarding Beavers has great information. If you just look for posters you trust, Alan Thayer, of course, our own Rico Petrini is great. A young man with an attitude on uh, X and Instagram. He tracks and communicates with the posts of athletes. Julio Ricardo would be well, th- well worth it to have TJ go to Facebook sites Pure Orange, Beavers Behind Enemy Lines, and others uh, just have to weed out 75% of rumor and ignorance. Just a suggestion for most current info and breaking news, Dan and Beaverton. Okay. That one will require further study. Yes, of that course. Text. Uh, I don't have any of them anymore. This is, um, I'm not sure who this is. I don't have them anymore, but a subscription SI was delivered to me during about a year ago. Long tour of duty in Southeast Asia 53 years ago. It was eagerly anticipated by me and my buddies. Mm-hmm. And Mike, I am familiar with Don't Fold, Spindle, or Mutilate. <laughs> I wish I knew who this was. <laughs> um, well, so he's talking about getting him back in the day when he was in the. Oh, uh, I imagine that type of 
to in, get in SI theater. Oh my God! In Southeast Asia. Can you imagine? That? Thank you, sir. By the way, but but I mean, can you imagine? Yeah, I mean, you would just devour every word and every line, right? Yeah. Here's another one. The only Sports Illustrated I've kept. <coughs> was the first one that LeBron James was on. I don't even like the guy, but maybe it will be worth some money someday. Yes, keep it in, uh, do not fold, spindle, or mutilate. Keep it in good condition. I don't know. I've got a Joe Montana one that's in, in mint condition. Is it worth anything? It will be. Probably not right now, but someday, somewhere. Okay. Uh, great show. Glad you both started getting better. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Outside Sandy. Appreciate that. Stop coughing from Scott. I already read that one. It's pretty funny. <laughs> Dave says this, people from Boulder are usually called Boulderians or bold ones. Well, I think I tried Boulderians when I was referring to them sitting outside in the warm sun of 40 degrees the other day. <coughs> what a beautiful setting that is. Gosh, that's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, sitting there in front of the, the flat iron mountains all around you, and it's gorgeous. Here's another question. I'm not sure what would yeah. prompt it, though. I'm just thinking, okay. does Wayne... Uh, have a no dunking policy like Ralph Miller used to have. No, these those no, guys no. couldn't slam at home. No, I called a couple games for you where Jared Cunningham. I thought he was going to jump over the top of the backboard. There was a moment the other day where Gavin Mars, who I like, I like the things I'm seeing from that. Yes, young man. and I do too. He has a, a hidden offensive talent. Yes, I mean just no. I mean oh, he's got oh, moves You're saying, as a footer. Yeah. As, As a, a seven-footer, mm -hmm. he actually, down low, has some really good hang time and yeah, some moves does. that you wouldn't expect from a seven-footer. He's got to get bigger and stronger, and, yeah. and I, but he's got something. Yeah. I like him. And the other day, and, and I don't know if the texture is asking about a no-dunk policy because <laughs> there was a play where the Beavers knocked the ball loose in Boulder, and Gavin had a bit of a, I thought, a chance to elevate and throw down. <laughs> And he kind of, it looked like he hesitated a little bit. Can mm. I get there? Because mm. he was leaping from from pretty far out. And then kind of, it looked like he changed the idea of trying to throw down a dunk. Maybe that would be too bold of a move in his young career. <laughs> so then he kind of, while in the air, it almost looked like changed his mind and then tried to lay it up and missed. And then Dejon Craig was right there, another freshman on the floor. Un nobody around him, and he missed the follow. And I just saw yeah. both guys in their moment were almost too open, if that makes any sense. Dave says that Dexter O'Connor dunk a few weeks ago was awesome. Do it you was. That no, one? He turned the corner. It was impressive against Stanford and threw down a dunk that was, uh, yeah, I mean, that would, right there would be the refutation of the, there is no no dunking policy. It was instituted for Ferdinand, Ferdinand Lewis Alcindor, who went 88-2 and two in his career for John Wooden. Bill Walton went a pedestrian 86 and 4, with all four of the losses coming in that infamous lost weekend year two in one weekend here on Just a Friday like or Saturday. baseball in 2017. Yeah, pretty much. Those uh, are quick incredible. question. We got a minute to go. Yeah. Um, how's the morale of the team coming back? Yeah, it's it's. A, I, I can't. I have to be honest and just say it was a little low, flat as well. It should have been in the sense of, you know, the the two. Uh, Tough. I mean, just you know, they, they the Beavers got beaten badly in both games. Yeah, so, so yeah. the mood was not great. You don't want I'll to say be. that. And you don't want it to be either. You don't want people playing Rabasi on no, the plane or no. the bus. You don't want laughter. You no, don't want and there wasn't any guys. Are I mean, I I think the practices this week will be intense. They'll be serious. They'll be focused, and then. 
The Beavers have played a lot of good games against Arizona through the years, and in particular at Gill. Arizona Thursday night. Jim Jarvis tomorrow. Jenny Kavnar tomorrow. Uh, we hope to talk to Mel Counts as the week goes along and maybe one or two others. We appreciate all of you joining us today and the contributions. Thanks for the SI memories. Feel free to keep sending those. It's not gone yet, but I'm worrying about it. Not dark yet, says Bobby D, but it may be soon. We'll see you tomorrow.